Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am newly crowned dictator, Corwin Miller. Welcome to Troll. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome to the Thursday uh, episode. It is Thursday, uh, fucking September 9th. Yep, I advise. Is it? <laughs> loosely grasping at what, what, oh. what today could possibly be. Yeah, as you're listening um, to this, I should say, today it's it's Wednesday, uh, September 8th, which means that the uh, MLB, or I should say rather, Baseball Hall of Fame ceremony induction is today. So we'll plan on talking a little bit about um, the inductees. I'm pretty sure we did this when they got announced. Originally, the ceremony was supposed to take place in 2020, and then a global event happened, um, and so it has been pushed to... This year, where the global event is still happening, but we've all decided, eh. uh, so just moving, keeping it moving. Um, but yeah, so we missed a day. It was a busy weekend. Uh, it was Labor Day on Monday, and Cor and I decided we're not Labor that day. It's true. Not for, we were not for our jobs, and not for this. Hmm. This is our jobs. This is all I care. Very. A very poorly paying job. It, it's the well, if we count other hobbies, this actually might be one of my best paying other jobs because I That's actively true. sink yeah. a lot more money into some of my other hobbies. Oh, God. And also my expenses for golf this year. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Golf, uh, uh, guitars, plants, um, cooking. Oh, cooking's a necessity, but uh, the way I treat it, it's more like a hobby. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I thankfully don't have a plants hobby, so saving well, those expenses. Luckily, I can lie to myself and say no one pays water bills. Um, I, I do. I, I do pay a water <laughs> bill, but I can lie to myself and say that it's not big because of the plants. It's big because I shower for too long. And well, anyway. Um, so let's let's speak in of both the uh, MLB. God damn it. No baseball. Hall of Fame inductions taking place today and Labor Day. It works out well that we can talk about one of the guys right off the jump that was heavily involved in the labor side of baseball who made his induction today or had been formally inducted today, but kind of against his own wishes. Now that's Marvin Miller. So again, I'm rather sure Corin and I talked about this way back in, I guess, 2019 is when they voted on these things. So I would imagine December 2019 is the last time we talked about this. So nearly two years ago. I don't know if I could even, t- I, I know we comparatively recently talked about some of the guys who got elected in, but my God, I don't remember any of them other than the one guy who, no, I already forgot his name. Never mind. I'm useless. I've forgotten everything. That's okay. I know. Wow. That feels very uncomfortable. Oh my God. Two years. All right. Well, anyway. uh, So again, I know we, we talked a little bit about him before, but Marvin Miller, who was the, uh, the director of the major league baseball players association from 60, 1966 to 1982. And he basically built that union and kind of made it into the the union of baseball players that we know of today and built the standard with how they 
operate and work with or work in counterpoint to MLB. And he was previously, I believe, a, a labor law. I have a biography on him up. I don't know why I'm guessing. Uh, he had previously been a, a lawyer, a labor lawyer. Um, he was the he resolved labor management disputes for the National War Labor Board in World War II and was later the International Association of Machinists um, and Auto Workers Labor Union that he helped work for. And he joined the staff of the United Steelworkers in 1950. So he had a longstanding um, career within labor relations. What are, are you are just ahead now? Yeah, no, I was like, oh, I'm so far away. I need to fix this. And then it resulted in just me being short for the first time ever. Yeah, yeah. Short for the first time since you left the womb. So I was born six, eight. It was a long labor. <laughs> I was born a poor black child. Shout outs to the jerk. Love you, Steve Martin. He's so um, good. Yeah. So. The fact that he's getting inducted, obviously, in, in one part, speaks to the enduring legacy of, well, union work, which, again, is is why it is a little bit apt that this is happening the first week, first work week after Labor Day, I suppose. Uh, but it also comes at kind of an awkward time in the relation between MLB and the MLBPA, as we are fully expecting as, as fans to pr- most likely see a lockout next season as well as the once again head scratchingly uh, confusing choice to not include Kurt Flood alongside Marvin Miller. And for a primer on Kurt Flood, very brief, very, very briefly, uh, he was a longtime player for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. He had been a Cincinnati Red, got traded to the Cardinals, he became a Cardinal. And the way that MLB contracts used to work is that once you signed your contract with that team, it was completely one-sided. So if uh, when if the Yankees came along and signed me, like Josh, in like I don't know, nineteen seventy-two or whatever, um, I could before Josh was born. Yeah, yeah. Let's assume I was born in nineteen uh, fifty-six. I'm not be sixteen. Nineteen fifty-four. Uh, I'm a hot young 18 year old. That's not true. I've never been a hot young 18 year old. <laughs> I've <laughs> seen younger pictures of Josh. He was. It's a treat, but we'll keep that between us. Um, <laughs> but basically, I could never seek another contract from any team that wasn't the Yankees. There was no free agency period. Once the the contract that the Yankees had given me had run out, my options were to either retire or keep playing exclusively for the Yankees. Like that, that was it. That's why there were so many baseball lifers back in the day or single team lifers was because you couldn't go to other teams unless you got traded. It was fully up to your team's discretion. And so Kurt flood ends up getting traded from the St. Louis Cardinals to, I believe it was the Washington um, senators. Because I know he ended up playing for them in the end. It might have been the Philadelphia Phillies. I, I left that part of his bio not up, but whatever. He gets traded to a team and he goes, oh, I don't want to get traded. I have played for the Cardinals for 12 years. My entire life is in St. Louis. I am not a piece of property. I am a human being. I I, I do not want to play for another team. I, I do not want this. And he sued and that case went all the way up to the Supreme Court and he lost 
which was shocking. He ended up being out of baseball for two seasons, ended up playing one more year of ball, ultimately with the Senators before finally retiring. And however, his contribution to the conversation around how baseball players were perceived ultimately ended up leading to additional changes, which flood also fought for and, and, you know, became kind of a um, standard bearer for the, uh, for labor relations in baseball. Sorry. I'm like super not here all the way today. And welcome to my world. Now there's two of me. Yeah. That's in, and the world is no better for it. And that ultimately opened the door for what Marvin Miller would be able to do later on as we approached the late 70s and early 80s when free agency ended up becoming a thing as a result of his negotiations with MLB. And all that stemmed really from Kurt Flood. And so it is weird, very weird that Kurt Flood does not make the Hall of Fame at the same time as Marvin Miller. Um, but uh, Corbin, tell me what you think of the, the Miller inclusion. I do like when the halls of fame include people who not only just had, you know, gaudy stats on the field or, you know, guys who own teams for a really long amount of time and just kind of got in because it's like, all right, I guess we have to vote these guys in whatever. I like when they include people who made the game what it is today in an impactful way that otherwise we don't talk about often guys who should be held to the level of fame in these respective sports, not because they hit 72 home runs in a season, although that should get you in the hall of fame, but because of some other aspect off the field that made a difference, even on the field, who knows, but I like it. I like having these guys in here. It It's, it's difficult. I, I do. I do like having, Marvin Miller be in there because I, I think, you know, my view has often been on the Hall of Fame that it is a museum. It is a place. It is a physical literally location. A museum. Yes. Like literally their bodies don't get interred there after they pass. Um, <laughs> although that would be a little That'd bit hilarious. Dope. That uh, would be dope. Welcome to the baseball Hall of Fame slash mausoleum. Having to add a renovation in just so that they can bury Frank Thomas. Yeah, he'd be a whole wing, wouldn't he? Imagine yes, Frank Thomas would. and Barry Bonds next to each other. Jeez. Oh, my God. Anyway. Um, but it, it also comes at the expense of what is essentially a man's dying wish, which was to not be included because he thought the ceremony to be a farce. And That's a small detail we all kind of forget about every now and again. Yeah. And so I certainly get the baseball writers or whomever makes that decision on the hall. Cause the hall isn't directly connected to MLB. I don't believe, I don't believe like Manfred has a say over that. I, I think it's their own thing. I think they have their own commission, like everything. Um, they just work very closely with MLB. If I recall correctly, I started saying this and then realized I don't really remember. <laughs> um, but <sighs> It's not what he wanted. So I don't know. Well, guess what? He's dead now, so he can't say. He can't argue. He really can't. Uh, I guess someone had to sign off on it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be happening. 
I, I really think, you know, the best way for Dude, does someone have to sign off? I would imagine someone in his family has to be like, yeah, we're cool with that. Because otherwise it's like you can't use my father's name if I don't want you to. Yes, you can. Names aren't protected by copyright. Not copyright, but it'd be intellectual property, wouldn't it? I don't think so. I think anyone could be like, here's a shrine to whoever. Like, it's not like it's. I don't think you can. I don't know now. I don't know the law. (laughs) I am not a lawyer. Corwin's got his Googling face on, so. Um. How do you Google? Is someone's name and face after they die their property? (laughs) I I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. But regardless, while Corwin's Googling that, I think the the best thing that MLB, I guess really the MLBPA, people who pay attention to baseball could do in the wake of his, well, he passed almost 10 years ago now. Um, But in honor of his memory would be to put their fucking foot down uh, during this upcoming uh, CBA negotiation and do for the minor leagues what uh, Marvin Miller helped do for the majors and fucking give them a union and take MLB to task over how they treat them. Corwin Heller, hand raised. What's up? Uh, you cannot invade the privacy of a dead person, so you cannot be sued, generally speaking, for misappropriation of the name or likeness of that person unless the misappropriation took place before the person in question died. Interesting. So if they wait until that guy, then they're like, build the statue. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. And it has to be for an exploited purpose. Hmm. I don't know if you have to pay to go to the Hall of Fame. Yes. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know either. Well, you can use someone for reporting or expressive purposes. Uh, uh, This is something that is argued by people smarter than us in courts of law for a living. We're not going to figure this out all on our own. No, no. You can argue many different sides of this. Yeah, no, we're. uh, Yeah, we're not going to bother. All right. So. I don't know. I feel like I have something more to say on the the labor side of things. And I know how much has changed since the mid 70s when the reserve clause, by the way, that's what it was called. This uh, concept of the one sidedness between players and teams. when it ultimately dissipated and you started seeing contracts get a lot bigger and, you know, players signing for what was then seen as actual value um, based upon their actual contributions and, you know, not just being told here's a raise, take it or go fuck yourself. But I don't really know what it would be. It's so tough to, to really, but like progress has been made. I guess as the share of money that goes to players, not the share, the quantity of dollars seems to increase. I don't know if the share of money actually is increasing. I bet it probably isn't. Um, 
Usually it goes the other way. Yeah, I'm actually I'm gonna say it absolutely hasn't. It it's I don't know. It it feels awkward to commemorate Marvin Miller and and not Kurt Flood, and also when we have all the information that we have on the minor leagues, it, it feels it feels like George Bush parachuting down onto uh, 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 one of those ships that moves other aircraft carriers and uh, saying, mission accomplished. We did it. Labor relations. No more problem. It's 2004. We beat Afghanistan. We're done. Iraq sucked it dry. And it's like, oh, well, first off, no. And and second of all, why are, why are we here? And it, it, it obviously isn't as quite as nefarious as that because George W. Bush was, you know, like a monster um, and Marvin Miller was a good guy. But it, it, it still it feels that level of we we didn't accomplish nearly as much as we needed to. And everything could very much so change for the worst in like an instant. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Who who would be someone of similar stature, if you can think of any, that might be uh, worthy and or be voted into the Hall of Fame? As like a guy? Yeah. Or female. Um, I've, I have no idea. I, yeah, I don't know. I was asking because I too could not come up with anything. I was hoping you could. Uh, they should probably retroactively take Bud Selig out of the Hall of Fame. That would be that would be good. I very much agree with that. Yeah, that would be great. Not a huge fan of his. No, definitely not. Oh, God, I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Oh well, we have other players to talk about. Let's keep it moving. So. After uh, Marvin Miller, he's the only non-player person that, that, that got in. We have from the, the old-timers commission, whoever they, they call themselves these days, uh, who voted in Ted Simmons, who was an eight-time All-Star and a one-time Silver Slugger. Uh, he was a catcher and first baseman, mostly for the St. Louis Cardinals, where he played for 13 seasons from 1968 all the way through 1980. And then he finished out his career five years in Milwaukee and then three years in Atlanta. Um, 21 seasons altogether in MLB. He had two, three top 10 MVP finishes in his career, and he never led the league in anything significant. He led all of baseball in double plays he grounded into once and intentional walks twice. That's that is it. A career slash line of 285, 348, 437. And that's an OPS of 785, an OPS plus of 118, a career war of 50.3, if I didn't say that already. Um, okay. I don't know who's clamoring for Ted Simmons to get into the Hall of Fame that this became a question. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I'm fine with it. I, I think this also fits the narrative of catchers don't accumulate war very much they don't play as many games it's hard to accumulate a lot of war as a catcher so having a lower threshold is fine so i I, this seems like a nice ad but uh i don't know how this even came to be so what do you think it's one of those things where it's like 
I don't really care strongly one way or the other. And especially if it wasn't for the guys who are still waiting to get on just off the list for all of their various reasons. Um, but at the end of the day, oh, well, who cares? He has a he has the numbers to get in just because I don't have strong feelings towards him doesn't mean he shouldn't. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Again, I, uh, I don't care. How much do you want to bet he got in because he was friends with Joe Torre? Oh yeah. Because I was looking at the years he was on the Cardinals and I was like, Hey, didn't Joe Torre play like third for the Cardinals those seasons? And, uh, yeah, he did. So we're looking at a, a, at a friend of Joe Torre's. Damn right. Something, something guys club, something, something every male sport, something, something. So I randomly clicked on the 1971 St. Louis Cardinals. And now I want to see how many of them are in the hall of fame. And if more of them will. So their starting lineup was catcher Ted Simmons, who uh, once again is now in the hall of fame. Um, Their starting first baseman that season by plate appearances was Joe Haig who um, played six years of pro ball and ended with a career war of 1.9. So he is not making the hall of fame. And is also an offensive lineman for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Joe Haig. Yeah. That's hilarious. Like presently or in history? Yeah, no, presently. Oh, that's hilarious. How does he spell his last name? H A E G. Um, he, the, the, our Joe Haig is H A G U E. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Joe Haig, Super Bowl champion. We also Boy, have, they don't have a lot of stats for offensive linemen on Pro Football. Color me shocked. Games played, games started, average value. That's it. Uh, that's continue. that's all you're gonna get. Yeah, uh, their starting second baseman was Ted Sizemore that season, who has a career 16.1 WAR in 12 seasons. So he's not making the Hall of Fame. Um, their shortstop that year was. Dal Maxville? These are made-up names. Yo, all right. So, hold on. Dal Maxville played in baseball 14 seasons, won four World Series, has a gold glove, has a career OPS plus of 57, and a career war of 7.7. Wow. That is the luckiest man alive. Well, I don't Damn. know if he's alive, but he that is the luckiest man to ever was be alive. alive. Yeah. He lucked his way into being on four World Series teams. <laughs> that might be highly disrespectful to his defense. I also do not care. Wow. Goddamn. I love it. Hold on. This is actually kind of hilarious. So in 1972, he had been traded from St. Louis to Oakland. And then he started the 20, sorry, the 73 season with Oakland gets traded to Pittsburgh. And then he starts the 74 season with Pittsburgh gets traded to Oakland. So from 73 to 74, he gets traded one, two, three, three times and gets passed back and forth from Oakland to Pittsburgh. Uh, a solid tag team action going on right there. Oh, Sidney Crosby just got sidelined for six weeks. 
Mm-hmm. Yay. Uh, starting third baseman Joe Torrey, Hall of Famer. Uh, starting left fielder Lou Brock, Hall of Famer. Starting center fielder Jose Cruz, 54.4 career war, not in the Hall of Fame. Maybe Jose Cruz is next. Keep your keep your eyes peeled. <clears throat> and then uh, starting right fielder Jose Cardinal, uh, Jose Cardinal career, 20.7 more. So he's probably not going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, and then starting pitchers, you got you got our, our boy, Bob Gibson, who's a Hall of Famer. Steve Carlton, who's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Reggie Cleveland, who's got 8.9 career war. And then Jerry Russ, who has 35.1. Chris Zachary, two first names. Can you trust him? No. Never. And his um, career war is zero, negative 0.5 in nine seasons. So that's just impressive. Um, I don't even know how that's, that's possible as a pitcher. But whatever. So, yeah. Anyway, all that to say, uh, congrats, Ted Simmons. Uh, yeah. We hardly knew thee, but congrats. I'm going to assume he's he's dead. I'm going to assume, assume anyone elected into the Hall of Fame is dead. Which brings us to Larry Walker. Um MVP, five-time All-Star, seven-time Gold Glove, three-time Silver Slugger, three-time batting title, um, which is fucking nuts. He led all of baseball in batting average three times. He led all of baseball in slugging twice, OPS twice, total bases once, um, on base percent once while leading the NL twice. Uh, He led the National League in home runs once, doubles once, and was good for a career OPS plus of 141 and 72.7 career war. Just a killer of a fucking player. Um, also, one of our few Canadian representees in the Hall of Fame, Corbin Heller. What you think about uh, our boy, Larry Walker? Uh, he has a wild obsession with SpongeBob, and I think that's hilarious. He wore a SpongeBob like NASCAR looking shirt for his acceptance speech way back when and wore one to like a ceremony today, the ceremony today, uh, SpongeBob pin, I should say. Uh, I just feel like that needs to be talked about. Is it like just a running joke? Is he really just that obsessed with SpongeBob? Do you have any thoughts? Do you have any insight? Do you know? Uh, I, I feel like it's a, it's that big dad move where it's like, I found out one thing that my kid is into and I'm going to make that my entire personality because I can't bother investigating any further into what else they might like. And I'm just going to cling to that forever. So you're saying Larry Walker is just admitting he's a terrible parent. I think Larry Walker thinks he's killing it and he might well be, but it might not be the best route. And I think that is, uh, that's where we've landed on it. It's kind of like when that one kid in school makes a joke that everyone laughs at once and is convinced that that's now the funniest joke in the world because it's what gets him attention and then says that joke every day until it's like, dude, the joke's not funny anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's like we, we, we get it. You, 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 shat that, you shat your pants that one time. It was super funny, but now, you know, you're, just, you're just shitting your pants all, all, all day every day. You've, had, you've got to get picked God. up by your mother three times this week. Wednesday. Holy shit. That's a picture that I don't want in my head anymore. Thank you for that. Actually, yeah. I knew a kid, my like, I think it was in like fifth grade, um, who 
kept trying to fart on other kids. So he just like go up to them and like turn around real quick and just like try to fart. No, we must have been older. Must have been ah, not much. It was probably like sixth grade, seventh grade. The problem was he kept accidentally shitting himself. <laughs> and this happened three times in like a month that he had to get picked up because he tried to like fart on another student and just shat his pants instead. Could you imagine the talk, the talk with his father with just the most disappointed look on his face every time? Just like you, you're trying to fart on other kids and you're just shitting your pants. Son, do we need to look into your diet? No, like there's no like. Why are you positive, crapping with such no, ease? There's no solution. Command. There's no search for solution after three times in a month. At that point, you're just like, I just, I don't even know who you are. Ugh, you're my kid. Ugh, yeah. Are you pushing very hard, or is this very easy for you? <laughs> oh my god. So oh, I, I found this 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 bag of Miralax in your closet. What? <laughs> Something you gotta tell me? Uh, oh my god! This I know a kid who, we were we were playing laser tag outdoor laser tag for like this kid's like twelfth birthday, and he has to go to the bathroom, and it's like no, like we have like twenty more minutes before we are done with this round. Like you can hold it, thinking he just had to pee when he had to like shit his pants, so he shit his pants. And was just like, the guy said I couldn't go to the bathroom. I just had to go. And then just played laser tag with shit in his pants for the next two hours. Oh, man. Kids are fucking wild. Kids are just psychopaths. Absolutely. Oh, man. So I was looking at Larry Walker's splits while we were talking about poop. Um, Some fun notes. So Larry Walker... So for anyone who's unaware, OPS plus is your measure against uh, usually like league or uh, MLB average for a player. TOPS plus is often used for splits and it's relative to a, a player's own OPS plus. So career uh, of Larry Walker in, in May has a TOPS plus of 95, meaning he was 5% worse in the month of May relative to the rest of his, his, his total OPS plus, right? So Larry Walker was really, and maybe this is normal. I don't really look at these very much because I don't usually give a shit, but over uh, the course of a rather long career, it is kind of fun, neat. I don't know, but he's only better than his own OPS plus in two months out of the entire calendar year. Everything else Wait, is in the 90s. Yeah, so April, March, Larry Walker's TOPS Plus is 98 for his career. In May, career that TOPS Plus is 95. June, it's 121. Larry Walker loves June. Let, let, let Larry Walker tell you about June. Um, and then in July, that shit plummets down to 90. Loses 30 points of his own OPS Plus. Then in August, it rebounds to 95, and then in September, October, it goes to 103. But he's really only an above, or not an above average hitter. Um, he really only matches his own OPS in two months out of the year. Everything else is below his, his own average, which is interesting. Like a 103 OPS pitcher or hitter, fuck me, is, is never going to make the Hall of Fame. Like that's barely going to crack the top half of your batting order. By definition, their average. How is Larry Walker 
not this consistently good. Well, what's funny is that that 90 TOPS plus month that he has there in July, would you like to know what his his OPS is in the month of July? Mm -hmm. This is just how good he is. His OPS for the month of July is 914. (laughs) But his TOPS plus is 90. Yeah. OPS and OPS plus and TOPS plus also take into account park factors. And because he played so much at cores, his OPS gets inflated because you, you tend to have a higher batting average, which then means a higher um, on base and potentially even more home runs, especially since Larry Walker played. Ooh, I believe he was pre humidor. I'm not going to Google it. I'm going to say he did when, when and just Humidor spread misinformation. I don't know. I'm guessing. I'm guessing it was it was post Larry Walker. I I would guess. Are you Googling it? Yeah. I'm going to guess that the Humidor went in in 2002. Can you do you have your phone on you right now? Sure. Um, can you take a picture of your screen right now without touching your mouse? And uh, let me see what it, it says. Because it's 2002, exactly. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I was actually looking at you when I did this, so it was confusing to me. But I don't even have that tab open amongst <sighs> all the tabs I have open. I hate you. I just hate wow. you. Wow. I love me. So that means that Larry Walker only played uh, one, two, two and a half seasons in the Humidor era, of course. That's actually kind of neat. When they talked about the humidor for cores and then the humidor for uh, Arizona, I always thought they were talking about a stadium sized humidor to keep the stadium at 70 degrees and 55 or 50% humidity. So the baseball would always be at that level. I thought they were talking about a stadium sized humidor, not just a room where they stored baseballs. I know I imagined a Krabby Patty vault situation. Which is what it actually is. Which, hey, maybe that's how Larry Walker got into it. This might be thing. Do you know how long it took me to figure out that they meant like the Krabby Patty chamber? Till right now. Till I Googled this right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How would they do that? Coors Field is an outdoor stadium. (laughs) I never got it. I never got it. Is that this was the roof? How would they control? Do they just control the humidity in all of Denver? <laughs> MLB controls the weather. You have muted yourself. Adding to this I thought, embarrassment. <laughs> I thought the weather was specific to time zones, so I just thought Mountain West was just always 70 degrees and 50. Thank you. Um, all right. I have a really fun fact for you. Are you ready? Or a really fun split for you in Larry Walker's splits. Um, so Larry Walker in wins, and again, TOPS plus. This just means relative to his own OPS plus. Uh, his TOPS plus was 132 in games in which his team won and 65 in which his team lost. Which obviously it makes you know intuitive sense that a player would hit better in games that their team won because that means that 
you scored runs, you got hits, you know, things needed to happen. Right. You're good. Those things would happen there. But it's also just so wild to see. All right, hold on. Let, let's give ourselves a basis against another future Hall of Famer. Mike Trout. What do you think Mike Trout's split here is in this situation? And the Angels suck dick. So it's not like it'll be it'd be unreasonable to think that he would have a, a low TOPS plus in games in which his team lost. What do you think this split would be for him, Mike Trout? Um, I think it's going to be like 80. I think it's going to be stupid low. So Mike Trout's actually a lot. It, it's like, it's much more even, I suppose. So once again, Larry Walker's 132 and 65. That's a 67 point differential there. Um, Mike Trout's is 126 in wins and 72 in losses. So that's a 54-point differential there, which is still a, a, a you know a decent-sized gap, but not as big as our boy Larry's. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I Interesting. am just picturing Larry the Lobster now because of SpongeBob and the fact that his name is Larry. Maybe that's how it happened. But it's hmm. always SpongeBob shit. It's never Larry the Lobster. We don't know. We'll never know. I'm going to only refer to him as the lobster from this point henceforth. Wow. Larry Walker really should have been in the American League because his TOPS plus as a DH, which he only did for uh, 27 games, which is also just wild, uh, is 124. That's the best of all his defensive positions for his TOPS plus. That's nice. What do you think? Uh, I'm just having fun on the splits page now, and we're just using Larry Walker as fodder for it. What do you think his best count, ball strike count, TOPS plus was? 2-0. 2-0, he had a 125, not his best. 3-0? 3-0, yeah, 3-0, 260. Yeah, second best, 3-1. Thank again, you for actually sending me that picture. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, 3-1, which oh, does make a lot of sense. Um, full count, 123. Okay. Right, what about 0-2? 0-2. Ooh. Uh, Corin, it's not good. It's 3 <laughs> Yeah, just like the number three. Yep, no digits after, no digits before. So his TOPS wow. plus in a 3-1 count is 234. It's phenomenal, right? Um, in an 0-2 count, so in an 0-1 count, actually, we'll start there. Actually, no, let's start with first pitch. So first pitch is coming in, Larry Walker, TOPS plus, 119. He's 19% better than standard Larry Walker when that first pitch is coming down the pipe. But you threw it for a strike. All right, what happens? Larry Walker's TOPS plus on 01 counts, 114. Not too much change. Went down a touch. But still, Larry Walker is 14% better than standard Larry Walker when that second pitch he's, is coming down the pipe in an 01 if count. If he has a strike, he's better than not. That's right. That's right. So you threw another strike. Well, what happens? 0-2 count. That 114 Larry Walker, 14% better than the staring did Larry Walker. That shit drops down to a 3, 97% worse than standard Larry Walker. The man's batting average in an 0-2 count 
was 179. OBP, 189. Slugging, 314. That is an OPS of 503. That is not great. I guess the OBP is something that you need to take serious, serious consideration in for OPS, where it's not just, oh, is he going to get a hit? Is he going to do something positive? But also, you have an O2 count. You have to take four straight balls, and that's just very hard to do. Yeah, and still, it is tough to take three balls. is rough. Well, and you got to consider the fact that an O2 count, you're not getting a walk because there's no opportunity to, right? Because once you get a ball, well, now you're in a 1-2 count, and that is inherently not an O2 count. So really, when we're looking at this O2 count split, it is literally base basically did you did you get a hit or did you strike out um obviously there's a little bit of room there for something else like you know the the batting average is 179 the on base percent was 189 because you can get on base for other things hit by pitch or an error or uh, fielder's choice but and how often are you freely swinging on an 0-2 count unless you're certain it's a pitch in the zone you're not swinging or if you think it's even, or you're, if you're trying to protect, yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's 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 scary. It's scary there that O two count. Uh, so on a one two count though, let me tell you, you threw that first pitch, it was a ball. Then you threw two strikes. That one two count, Larry Walker's TOPS plus is thirteen. Woo, watch out, rockets up. So if you're sitting on that O two count, Larry Walker doesn't get fooled by your like way outside of the strike zone pitch. You try to catch him swinging at. He was like, nah. Ah, uh, motherfucker. Um, you still got a pretty good chance to get Larry Walker out. It's a 13 TOPS plus. As, as it's just it's just not good. Um, so you throw another pitch. And it's out of the zone. Not a strike. Larry Walker didn't swing at it. It was in the dirt, and he was like, fuck your shit in the dirt. I'm not fucking with that shit in the dirt. No. 2-2 two, two count. Corwin Heller. What is Larry Walker's TOPS plus on a 2-2 two, two count? 99 three goes back down why i have no fucking clue that seems, that seems absolutely bizarre he just gets too confident he lets his I, guard down i i i guess so so he's so you throw another you throw another pitch larry walker doesn't get fooled you try to throw high and tight larry walker's not getting fooled by anything inside larry walker's tops plus in a th- in a full count one one twenty three. Why does this matter so much? Uh, probably, probably a lot to do with walks. Being able to it, draw a walk on a you know three ball count. Yeah, it act, it, it really is. You, Larry Walker's um on base percent in a full count is five forty nine. Oh, that's really good. Believe it or yeah. not, yeah. And he had a non-insignificant number of plate appearances there. 905 plate appearances. That's, by all means, two seasons. Um, his highest on-base percentage. Imagine, sorry, imagine playing baseball for two seasons and only ever going up with a full count. You start at a full count for two straight years. I will say it's very off-putting. My, my slow-pitch softball league, you start in a 1-1 count, and it took me a while to adjust to that. Same. Yeah, I played one game, and ooh, that was a very confusing game. Especially because all fouls are are strikes. Like there'll be a strike three for a foul, and so you like take two shitty hacks, and they're like, "All right, get the fuck out of here!" And you're like, "What? Uh, uh, oh, right. What just happened?" 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does help the game move along quick, but it is also painful for the for the old ego there. Yes, Not is. great. Um, I just want to also share Larry Walker's on base percent on three O counts. Would you like to guess? Six hundred. Nine hundred sixty-six. OPS. On base. OPS. <laughs> on base <laughs> okay yeah what's wild is that um mike's tr- mike trout is better <laughs> which i guess makes sense because he's such a better hitter than larry walker is which doesn't even disrespect to larry walker it's just you know mike trout's a very very fish very man, very fucking fish good man hitter. good yeah. fish man good it's 978 but mike trout is only ha- oh shit sorry never mind i was gonna say he only had six at bats he had said 226 plate appearances. Good, 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 good. <laughs> 226 plate appearances with a uh, a 3-0 count. Oh, that's funny. It is, it is, um, it's an at-bats thing, but, but uh, still, still. Oh, yeah, still. That's funny. I'm not worried about it. I ain't worried about a thing. Yeah, so in 226 plate appearances, with a 3-0 count, Mike Trout has walked 218 times. Wait, which wait, means... wait, 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 wait. Read those numbers again. In 226 plate appearances with a 3-0 count, Mike Trout has walked 218 times. Which means which is I mean, I'm sorry, that's that's a wild ratio, right? I guess I I guess not. So Larry Walker had 296 plate appearances with a 3-0 count, and he walked 277 times. So he only had 18. He just doesn't well, swing. Yeah, Mike Trout has only had to actually deal with like eight of these outcomes. That's fucking wild, man. One of the times was a hit by pitch. So that doesn't count. Um, one of them was a sack fly. So that doesn't count. One of them is a ground into double play, and that's that's kind of hilarious if we're being honest here. Um, man, imagine you who's, put up who's the behind guy. who's behind protecting Mike Trout though. Like, do they have anybody there? I guess at one point it was Justin Upton. At what point it was Albert Pujols. At what point it was. Uh, actually, no, that's the end of the list of threatening sluggers. Like, I, I guess at one point it was supposed to be Anthony Rendon. I guess fair enough but man could you imagine i was gonna put... say like uh, if even if he does get on you know base it's like are you gonna tell mike trout that we're better off when you don't swing the baseball bat how are you better off letting someone else try and hit a grand slam how does it make you feel when i tell you that with on a 3-0 count mike trout has two hits 226 plate appearances mike trout has two hits on a 3-0 count Makes me feel bad. One of them is a home run, and then he has 218 walks. Fifty <laughs> percent of Mike Trout's hits on a on a three zero count are home runs. Just imagine being an announcer sitting there, and it's just like three zero count to Mike Trout. Pitchers, you know, still getting ready. Like, all right, mentally preparing to throw Mike Pat this Mike Trout this pitch, and you're just sitting there, and you're just like, yeah, in his uh, career, Mike Trout's never gotten a hit here. In this situation, never gotten one. Oh, there's a home run. Uh, okay. 
it's it's a three zero count, and there's a deep shot to left field. Castellanos is going to tie this ball game. All right, another thing we now have to watch out for: Mike Trout has never grounded into a double play on a three one count. Never happened. Now we've got to keep an eye out for it. We must now force ourselves to this. watch Angels games. Go ahead. He has never grounded into a double play on a three-one count. This is our new. This is our. He's only grounded into a double play on a two-zero count once and a three-zero count once, but he's never grounded into a double play on a three-one count. Hashtag Trout facts. Fish facts. <laughs> God, this podcast is useless. Wrong. <laughs> oh, we're waiting for Corbin to finish his, his Twitter fingers. Sent. Sent. I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm, yeah, very proud, buddy. You did You're it. Sitting there refreshing, waiting for it to come through the big old uh, Twitter sphere. <laughs> done and done big buddy yeah oh man all right so i think i think we talked enough about random larry walker facts shall we talk about the man of the hour yeah mr uh all but one vote mr one less than mariano and that's Derek jeter Derek Ooh. sanderson jeter um Shortstop for the New York Yankees, drafted in the first round, sixth overall in 1992, a child of the great state of New Jersey. For all the people who know where Peconic is, that's where where Jeter was born from. Mr. November, the captain, Captain Clutch, Derek Jeter. Rookie of the Year, 14-time All-Star, five-time World Series winner, five-time Gold Glove, five-time Silver Slugger, World Series MVP, All-Star MVP, and now a Hall of Famer. Never won a regular season MVP, but did have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight top ten finishes all up in there. Um, Was he ever the best shortstop in the league? I have no fucking clue. I don't really care. Um, Corwin Heller, the, the legacy of Derek Jeter is painted in um, pounds of salt and lots of obfuscation. What do you think of the legacy of Derek Jeter? Is your microphone on? <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> Aha, I don't know what some of those words mean, I think. Um, I don't care who's blocking the clout of Derek Jeter. All I see is John Boyd going off on it on Twitter, and that's all I really need. Um, I'll be honest. It's been so long since they had these votes. You were saying that, like, oh, all but one vote, you know, one less than Mariano Rivera. And I was like, oh, man, I can't wait to find out who it is. And then you said Derek Jeter, and it's like, oh, my fucking God. He still hasn't been voted. Like, he still hasn't been sworn in. (laughs) Like it's been that long. Could you imagine? That'd be great. You have to really sw- funny. instead of swearing in on a Bible, you have to put your uh, hand on top of the bust. You have to swear in on yourself. You know, they, they, they do that with the unwritten rules in the back where no one can see. 
<laughs> wearing only a jock strap while everyone is wearing is holding a torch. Just yeah. straight up cult style. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. God, um, could you imagine Larry Walker and Derek Jeter standing in a room and just wearing jock straps, getting sworn into the Hall of Fame? You must now ceremoniously bump crotches. <laughs> Ding. Uh, it's it's funny because well, man. I understand that Derek Jeter played for one of the easiest teams to root against at one of the easiest points in time to root against them and hate them. I get it. What? I understand. Um, everyone hates the Yankees. Everyone's hated the Yankees since like the twenties. It's easy to hate the Yankees. It's easy to hate the Yankees because they're historically very good. It's easy to hate the Yankees because they play in New York. It's easy to hate the Yankees because our fans are terrible. And I am one of them. You either grow up a Yankees fan or grow up being told to hate Yankees and Yankees fans. Like nobody's nobody has ever grown up with their dad being like, yeah, Yankees are all right. Or not having an opinion. Yeah. 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 It's the Yankees. Yeah, exactly. That's actually that's a wild thought. Nobody has ever grown up with a non-opinion of the Yankees. And, and for, for proof of concept, I mean, just look at the teams in the surrounding neighborhoods, like the Mets fans. I, I almost never think about the Mets, and I I'd never actively root against them unless there's a fantasy implication on the line, um, which had me watching <laughs> Aaron's Astros today. But um, Mets fans hate Yankees. They, they, Mets fans, when they play Boston, start a fuck the Yankees chant when they're playing – not the Yankees. And it's like, that's just depraved. Get over yourselves. Um, so anyway, I get it. It is very easy to hate the Yankees. That doesn't take anything away. For, if you put Derek Jeter on the Cardinals, I think he's probably one of America's favorite ball players. Um, he doesn't not play. In Pittsburgh. Not in Pittsburgh. Oh, well, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> go pound sand. Um, or in Pittsburgh, I guess, go pound um Pramanti brothers pastrami um put a fried egg on it like everything else you put fried eggs on anywho uh, uh we put french fries on our sandwiches in pittsburgh but although fried eggs are really good i, I fully recommend that no you can get a fried egg on like literally every sandwich in pittsburgh dude they were serving peanut butter and jellies with fried eggs like that was the thing yeah but you're saying like Pramanti brothers that's their french fries on it that's like their whole shtick. Oh, so it's like a basic yeah, it fat matter. sandwich. Just yeah. copying Rutgers. Oh, yeah, because Rutgers, you know, the hallmark of culture in the U.S. <laughs> I mean, you got Rutgers, which has got, you know, like all of New Brunswick and its art scene. And you got Pittsburgh, which is about like metal and shit. If you ask me, a bunch of people getting high in New Brunswick sounds a lot classier than people building <laughs> steel in, in the middle of you know Western Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because Pittsburgh just doesn't produce steel anymore. That's the best part. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I, you know, and it's it's really funny having to defend Derek Jeter. Not even not having to, or even really choosing to. I don't engage much on Twitter. I don't like you people. Um. Because he was not my favorite player on that Yankees team. But I still get... Who was? Jorge Posada. Oh, my God. I 
fucking love. I played catcher for years because of Jorge Posada. I would get in fights, not fights, but I would get in, in, in arguments with people when I was in like middle school about how Jorge was secretly the better player between the two and that he did not get the credit he deserved. And they were wimps for like the Jeter more than Georgie because he deserved it. And honestly, I still kind of stand by that to a certain extent. And Jorge Posada should absolutely be a Hall of Famer. Um, but I grew up watching that team and was a Hideki Matsuyama fan. So Hideki Matsuyama? Yeah. What position did he play? Hideki Matsui. Oh, okay. I was reading about golf earlier and Hideki Matsuyama is the guy who won the <laughs> Masters this year from Japan. Okay. <laughs> God, I feel dumb. Okay, no, 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 no. That Hideki is Hideki Matsui. Yeah, Hideki Matsui is, was was wonderful. I loved, loved, loved his time with the Yankees. When you but... when you asked what position he played, it was one of those like '80s movie cliches of just like the music cutting in and just like. <gasps> Uh, the Twilight Zone music started in the background. Oh, I I pictured the scene from Ferris Bueller's Day Off where like they cut in on the principal realizing he dropped his wallet inside the Bueller's house. Yeah, yeah. You know, because um, this is a movies podcast. We're all. It's always a movies podcast. The whole time, it was a movies podcast from the start. I just watched Ocean's 12 and forgot how much it sucked. But anyway, yeah. discussion for a different day. Tomorrow? Who knows? Um, so it, it's funny going my whole life it, surrounded by Yankees fans, not like arguing that Jeter was bad, but arguing that he was not the best player on the team. Because, you know, also eight, nine years old. Um, who knows anything when you're that age? But. And then as an adult finding out that people didn't like Jeter, not because they thought he was not better than Jorge Posada, which was all the arguments I had growing up. Not that Jeter sucked. It was always that Jorge was better. And instead they're saying that Jeter just wasn't good. And it's hilarious that you can look at a guy with over 70 war, no matter how you look at it and say he was not good at baseball um, because you cut. How do you do it? And it's tough to even Haters. call that a compiler. You know what I mean? Like 70 something war is not something you get from just playing for a long time. We just, we just talked about several guys who played on those Cardinals teams with, uh, with Ted Simmons that didn't crack one. So yeah, 70, 70 something war is pretty fucking hard to do. Um, and especially to do it with one team in the era he grew up in it's uh, or, or played in. It's pretty fucking wild, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what, Derek Jeter, I'm glad you weren't unanimous because that having both unanimous players being from the Yankees would have just been too much, but. (laughs) That was the worst thing I've ever seen you do. I hate that so much. (laughs) That's right. I love it. Um, What do you, what do you think the legacy of Derek Jeter is? Because I, I think that that phrase also gets tossed around a lot when we when we start speaking retrospectively and we start looking at, you know, careers that have passed. You know, we're five, I guess now we're now like six years out from his re- seven years out from his retirement. That feels disgusting. Um, so well, I don't know. What, what do you think the the quote unquote legacy of, of Jeets is going to look like? Or what does it feel like today? Two words. Get Kidding. baskets. 
fuck off. <laughs> like you're not uh, wrong, but fuck you. <laughs> I I think he'll be looked down on as an all-time Yankee. You know, he's up there with not the Gehrigs and the Mantles and the Babe Ruths, but I think he's up there with Yogi Berra. I think he's up there with other notable Yankees that weren't once considered the best of all time, um, which I don't think seems that outrageous to claim. So It's tough comparing him to Yogi because Yogi did win an MVP and has 13 World Series rings. <laughs> Whatever. I just and well, no, but because that's part of what makes Jeets tough is that simultaneously he is one of the best shortstops of all time, in large part due to his compiling stats. I will admit that absolutely, um, but also because you don't often get offensive production production out of shortstops for a extended period of time. That is that is rare. That's part of what makes him such a great shortstop. Um, positionally, not necessarily defensively, but positionally, you know, there's a reason he has the most hits of any shortstop of all time. Like that is that that's fucking hard to do. Um, usually shortstops that last a very long time are more like your Ozzy Smith's or your, um, Oh fuck that. The, the guy, who's the guy, you know, the guy, you know who I'm thinking of. Shortstop. Yeah. He played for, no played forever. Not making the Hall of Fame, but he got like 50% of the vote because voters are old. um, Omar Narvaez? Omar, no, not Omar Narvaez. uh, Omar Vizquel. Thank you. Yeah, Omar Narvaez, current second baseman for the Milwaukee Brewers. We talked about him like last week, I think. Already forgot. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Already forgot. I knew knew he was the catcher. I forget. Sorry, Omar Narvaez. I got to look it up. I'm pretty sure you're good, but I forget everything about you I ever know. Um, Oh, you're muted again, buddy. Say it again. No, I'm not. Omar Narvaez, uh, current second baseman for the Milwaukee. Okay. 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 In my recent searches on Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. That is very much so who we are. But anyway, anyway, looking back to what I was saying, um, it is fair to say that Derek Jeter, while simultaneously being one of the best shortstops of all time, is also almost never, not never, never, but almost never the best player on his own team. Like both both those things can be true. It's especially true of all the years after uh, two thousand fucking four, whenever they acquired Alex Rodriguez, which that point in time always is hazy to me. And now I have to look up Alex Rodriguez's stats to figure out when that was. Oh four. All right, I was right. All right, I was right. Um, but you know, both 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 those things can be true, and that doesn't necessarily take away anything from. Cheats, the fact that other names were significantly more recognizable and, and more impactful and uh, offensive production or defensive production or historically, you know, A-Rod having almost 700 home runs and like all over 100 war, all that stuff. It doesn't matter. Like it really it doesn't mean anything. You know, the fact that I don't know any of the other players offhand who played when um, Roberto Clemente made his debut. Obviously, we know like Willie Stargell and some of the players that came a little bit later. Um at least that's my recollection of those early 60s Pirates lineups, which, oh boy, we're pushing it with me. Um, that doesn't take anything away. Uh, that, that, that shouldn't necessarily add to the mystique of Roberto Clemente. He's great in his own right, the same way we don't look at Lou Gehrig and play, well, he played next to Babe Ruth. I mean, 
I mean, the guy's no Ruth. He was never the best player on his team. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. And to finger point also, as so many Red Sox fans like to do at Nomar Garcia Parra, hey, go fuck yourself. We can talk about Nomar when he has his Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Call me when that comes up. I'll be sitting there in line for it. Because uh, guess what? It's not. Who gives a fuck about that shit? And I think lastingly, the legacy of, of Jeter ultimately will be more so an argument about how much do defensive stats matter and do you care? Uh, and okay. if you listen to this podcast, I don't that much. I really don't. They are confusing, often inaccurate. And I think most teams would pick offensive production over a defensive butcher um, or an offensive production out of a defensive butcher every single time over a defensive specialist over an offensive butcher. Fernando Tatis. Yeah. Yeah. He will lead MLB in errors, but he'll also knock like 40 fucking home runs. So yeah, you fucking put up with it. Uh, Very much so. But so I think, I think that'll be part of it. And it'll also be, and it, I don't know where people are going to fall on this necessarily or how it might, the view on it might change after like Randy's documentary series on Jeets comes out. But I think part of that legacy will also be the business-like nature of Jeter. I think will also be part of the legacy. And I think that's one of the things I did not enjoy about Derek Jeter, not to turn this into a shit on Jeter fest. Cause again, I, I love Jeter. He was, the shortstop of my childhood, much the same way that Chad Pennington was the quarterback of my childhood. And he will forever hold a special place in my heart for that. Even though Derek Jeter is miles, miles better than Chad Pennington. <laughs> There's that sentimentality what? is what I'm trying to say. Um, <laughs> but Hall of Fame player is better than a guy who made that Pro Bowl one time as an alternate. What? Don't disrespect my boy, Chad. <laughs> I have met him. He's a very nice man. <laughs> only The only QB I know is a surefire hall of famer who also might have raped a woman so like i don't have that much of a high horse even though i do sure thing buddy whatever helps you sleep at night um but i think like that that win or else it's all for lost um and no frills no fluff on the scene you know very muted personality in a lot of ways, I think is also going to be part of the recollection of part of the legacy of Jeter, the same way that for, you know, look at Michael Jordan and, and part of the recollection of Michael Jordan is a similar intensity and, and, and similar um, almost, almost business-like reproach, but also the idea of, you know, him being a little bit more, I don't want to say confrontational than Jeter, but maybe taking the, off-field competitiveness to another step above Jeter. Um, and that that that's built into that legacy there. You know, I don't want to say just, just the gambling because that feels um, reductive. But I think that'll be in there as well. And that's part of, I think, what makes Yankees fans today... These Yankees fans today. Awful. Yeah, the worst. I think that's what makes them partly the worst is the the essentially the shut up and dribble conversation that I think they get so much of because there was this even though he had flashy plays that weren't flashy because of what he did in the wake of them they were flashy because he was 
good in certain moments. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's also going to be part of that that sure. Jeet's legacy. Jeet's. I think he'll be forever known for getting shot in the leg during the World Series by Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, yeah, or learning how to hit home runs from George Costanza. Yeah, it turns out all it took was cotton. In six games. Adore that show. I know, I know, it's perfect. Um, so that, that's all the people who are making it in. Now, like we said, there was no inductees for the 2020 season. I'm not sure they even fucking held a vote. I really don't remember. Uh, that feels like a blur. So we will find out uh, the next round of voting whenever it starts, probably in a couple months. It usually happens, I feel like, sometime around December. So we have that coming up. Um, we've been going for a bit. I'm not sure there's anything else been really pressing. Obviously, the... Oh, do you have anything about this before I, I, I move on to wrapping this up? Nope. Take us away. Uh, well, so t- today, as you're listening to this, November, November, September 9th is the first day of the NFL season. And you might be saying to yourself, where, Josh and Corwin, are your bold predictions? The answer to that is, we forgot. So, <laughs> Monday's episode, we will have them. We'll, we'll, we're crafting them up today and, and tomorrow, and we'll be recording on Sunday for them. But yeah, the first week of the NFL season will go by, and we will not have a bold prediction out. But... Uh, mind you, we are standing at the ready, waiting to pounce to boldly predict what no man has boldly predicted before. The first bold prediction that came to mind was TJ Watt will miss a game, but only one, and then realized, okay, if this is coming out on Monday, we will be putting out a prediction that could possibly already be wrong. And I was like, I don't want to do that to myself. That would suck. Or already be true. Who knows? Last time we predicted that someone was going to miss time from uh, or Kirk Cousins would get COVID because he was being an asshole. And we could predict that this time, but he might already he might already have it if his plexiglass uh, fucking chamber doesn't work out to his liking. Has there been an NFL player whose reception, notoriety and public opinion risen so quickly and then just died so just lackluster e graciouslessly other words that I can make up for on the field the, maybe but Jared all the Goff. while but all the while not no one really giving a shit like to put this in a summary his reputation took off after getting drafted the same draft class as second overall pick Robert Griffin the third and then has just slowly just been dragged lower and lower and lower until now everyone's just like fucking why is this guy still in the league? Why does anyone care? Honestly, let's be while, he had like no one giving business. a shit. Yeah, but nobody ever gave a shit once about Kirk Cousins. Yeah, he like he balled out just in time to get a colossal contract. Somehow partly that so extension. Guaranteed. Yeah, it was a ninety million dollars guaranteed, right? I think, like I think it was sixty or ninety. Maybe I'm just dyslexic. Um, I remember us talking about it and be like, this is going to pave the way for other quarterbacks. And then he has played so poorly. It has destroyed that hope forever. Thanks, Kirk. Dick. Um, maybe Matt Ryan, but also Matt Ryan got old. No, so there was like, a but reason. he's still good though. Yeah. And he's man. 
also like Kirk sucks off the field. Like that's the other problem. Like he, right. he was a meme almost immediately. You like that? You like that? Um, his wife is as famous as he is and his wife doesn't do anything. She's just known as Kirk cousins wife. Like yeah, Michelle Obama Berlin, is just as famous as, <laughs> as Barack, but Michelle does a bunch of really great things all the time. That's true. It's just Michelle Kirk Obama's wife. Person. It's just Julie. Hey, do you know Julie? Oh yeah. Kirk cousins wife. <laughs> Julie doesn't like that. <laughs> but Kirk loves Julie. Um, Kirk would do anything for Julie Except take the COVID vaccine But she probably doesn't want to either Naturally, The fucking whites Anyway <laughs> uh, I, saw, I, saw, I saw a video today That I have to share It was a TikTok that someone posted That white people think are, Or one thing that people think Are in the Bible That's not really there And just someone coming back and just saying White people. And then just walking away. There you go. White people. Takes place in in the Middle East like 3,000 years ago. (laughs) Like, why would we be there? They didn't know what SPF was because that alphabet didn't exist yet. Nope. All Sanskrit, baby. (laughs) I don't even know the name of Sanskrit letters to make a joke, but... I mean, you don't even know enough about Sanskrit that you called it Sanskrit. I'm going to go. Welcome to Classics with Corwin and Josh. Next, we'll be talking about the Iliad and why that book sucked. Uh, (laughs) Odyssey superiorism. Do you think, do you think, do you think Odysseus was named Odysseus because he was the guy going on the Odyssey? You think that's why he went on the Odyssey? The real fucking annoying part is that the Romans just copy and pasted the Odyssey, but they called it, um, but the, the hero's name is, um, instead of Ulysses, it's uh, fucking, oh, something with an H. God damn, I just had it. Homer. Yeah, but, no, Homer's the author. Um, oh, fuck, I can't think of it. It's so annoying, but yeah, they just copy and pasted all the, all the Greek shit, and they're like, mm, fine. It's Odysseus, but the H is silent. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. All right. So, Ulysses. No, it's I, Ulysses. There we go. It, yeah, it's Ulysses. I just thought it would have been having H in it the whole time. It was a lie. It was Ulysses. Like S. Grant, but a, Grant. But a guy. Yeah. Um, no teapot domes. No, that was Taff. Fuck, who was the teapot? No, the, what, who, who was the teapot dome scandal? Uh, That was Grant. That was Grant. All right. Yeah. You can tell I killed multiple choice questions when I was in high school and college. With this amazing ability to second guess myself on everything. Uh, all right. Anyway, we nope. rambled. Warren for- G. Harding. We were both wrong. You lied to me, Corwin. I know. You lied to me. To my face. All right. Whatever. I majored in oil in college and I got it wrong. So don't even start. <laughs> I did oil studies, <laughs> oil business studies. Fucking oil was, uh, dude. It wasn't even discovered when he was president. What the fuck am I doing? That's why I always thought it was confusing when I said it. I was like, mm, that uh, feels like, early. Uh, there was like 30 more years to go. Also, don't say oil wasn't discovered. Like people were burning shit with oil. They just didn't figure out, uh, you know, all the ins and outs and what have you. You know, petroleum. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. 
we weren't using it as a major major <laughs> fuel source yet. We were just lighting it on fire to see in the dark. Like I don't a bunch know if you guys knew this, but I'm not a good student. <laughs> and if you're all willing to offer me a job, I don't do good work either. Hey. <laughs> all right, let's but. fucking get out of here. We, we've been we've been rambling now for. We have not talked about a sport in several different um, topics. So, all right, if you want to follow the show, I, at this point, I don't know why you would. On, on on Twitter. I was about to say Instagram, but we do not have an Instagram. Um, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you'd like to follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at uh, Corwin Heller. If you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at uh, Joshua D. Tracy. If you'd like to send the show emails, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.